Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. I know a lot of you are going back to school or have been back at school with your kids, and I hope that's going okay. We are kind of into the swing of things. I think this is week four or five for my kids. Five seems too long, but I don't know. And we are starting to get our rhythm. We had some severe growing pains, but hopefully it goes smoothly for you. Today, I want to talk to you about how to help our kids wear masks. This is, who would have thought I would be doing a topic like this? I often think what life would be like if my current self could go back to my past self and tell me what's been going on. And I would think it was like a sci-fi movie or something. You're going to be doing podcasts on how to get kids to wear masks during a global pandemic. And I'd be like, what? No, I'm not. You're crazy. But yeah, here I am. So this is actually a question I get a lot because anxious kids have more issues with wearing a mask than even your average child. I mean, it's a struggle even for your average child, but then when you layer on anxiety or OCD to the mix, we have some more difficult struggles. We have kids who have, you know, feeling like they're choking or feeling like they're getting suffocated. We have kids who have social anxiety and worry that it's embarrassing or it looks weird. We have kids with sensory issues where it feels weird. And so I want to go into a bunch of tips on how to help our kids with those issues and it'll help any child. So I kind of scoured the internet and looked for all the most creative, innovative ideas that I could find. And I was actually surprised that I found a lot of them that I had not thought of and they were fantastic. So my hope is that I kind of consolidated all of that for you and we'll be able to give it to you in a bite-sized quick podcast so that you can help your child and they can learn to adapt in this very strange world that we're living in. So before we get started, though, I do want to let you know that my mini coaching sponsorship is up. And for those of you that aren't familiar with what is going on with that, today is the first day that you can sponsor my show. And I am going to be creating mini coaching episodes. For those of you that are new to my podcast, I provide support for parents who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD. And I get a lot of emails, a lot of messages. People are very creative in how they want to reach me. And unfortunately, when you are getting hundreds of those a day, you can't respond to anybody. It's just too much. And so I was thinking out of the box one day and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could talk to those people? Wouldn't it be cool if I could do mini coaching episodes? There'll be bonus episodes. And I'm thinking that I'll do them every, well, I don't want to say every, but I'll be doing them on Thursdays. There'll be bonus episodes coming out on Thursdays. There'll be just purely mini coaching episodes, depending on how many questions I get and how many people are sponsoring it for questions that will kind of determine how frequently I will be doing those episodes. But the whole premise is they will be purely answering your questions. So if you are a sponsor of the mini coaching episodes, you can submit your questions and I will spend a lot of time talking about your particular question, diving into some support specific for you and offering that to you. So if you sponsor the show and you're not sponsoring this, you're sponsoring the mini coaching episodes, I have three different levels. So you can be a $5 mini coaching sponsor. And that means that you get to submit your questions 
You will also have access to extra bonus material. So on the Patreon page that you go to, to sponsor me, you get access to the membership page where you would get bonus material, extra things that I've created that will be just for you to access. Now, if you want to just sponsor me because you love me and you're like, I want to just support Natasha's work, there are two other tiers and they also come with a lot of thank you perks as well. You could be a $10 sponsor and as a $10 sponsor, you also get to submit your questions for the show and participate in that. You get the bonus material that will be on the Patreon page and you also get 30% off all of my classes. And my larger classes on how to teach kids to crush anxiety, how to teach kids to crush OCD, how to teach kids to crush social anxiety, how to teach kids to crush moral OCD, you get 30% off any one of those. You'd get coupon code. And as long as you're an active sponsor, you get 30% off. That could be up to a savings of $30 per class. So that's actually a very, very cool perk. And my final tier, if you're just like, I just want to supersize my sponsorship for Natasha, and it's actually called supersize coaching (laughs) sponsor level, is you're going to get all of that. So you'll get all that discount. And also I'm going to let you become a member of the AT Parenting Community. The AT Parenting Community is totally separate from this. It is a membership. It's a monthly membership, It's $30 a month. And it's this tight knit community that I've created where I really pour my support. So I am in there doing ongoing weekly classes. Um, We have a private Facebook group that is separate from my public Facebook group. And I am in there all the time because it's a smaller group. I can commit my time and effort in that group. And we do live Zoom calls once a month. We have support groups for kids and teens once a month. I have a video library in there that are videos only for the community. I have worksheets only for the community. And the AT Parenting Community actually gets one of my big classes completely for free. They get access to that as long as they're a member. So you're going to get that. And that's $30 a month. And this is the super size sponsorship is $40 a month. So right there, you're getting $30 back to you. My AT Parenting Community is closed right now. And you can learn more about that at atparentingcommunity.com. But it is closed right now. And so anyone who is that supersized sponsor will be able to manually get in. I will manually put them in and they can join us now. Um, We're not planning on opening for another month and a half. So that's a nice gift. And the other thing that I'm doing for the supersized sponsors is I'm going to be creating personalized videos for their children. So if you have a child who is struggling with a particular issue, or if you have a child who's doing fantastic and maybe they watch my YouTube videos and they'd be so tickled to get a personalized video to them with their name, talking about their issues and helping support them. That's a gift that I'm going to give people at that level as well. So that's going to be fun. I am capping that to only 10 because that would be a lot of videos. I'm only doing one video per sponsor. So it's a one-time gift, but that still would be a really a lot. So today is the first day. So if they're not taken already, you can check the show notes or you can text mini coach to 44222 and get the link to sign up and see if those 10 spots have already been taken on the super size sponsor level. Or if you're like, Hey, that's cool. You know, I didn't really want to join her membership for $3 a month, or I didn't know how to reach Natasha, but $5 a month to sponsor her work. That sounds very cool. And I would love for her to answer my questions. So And you can submit as many questions as you want. You're not capped on that. I will just do episodes as those questions pour in. So I'm excited about it because I think it'll be a nice, cool way to connect with you. 
So if you are interested in sponsoring the mini coaching episodes on any level, please check it out. The links are in the show notes, or you can text the word mini coach to 44222. Okay, let's get on with it. Let's talk about masks and the struggles that they are creating. So I know personally, I have a history of panic disorder when I was in college and I am highly claustrophobic. So wearing masks at first, I thought weren't going to be a big deal. And they were really hard for me. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I'm in Arizona. So especially right now when it's like 115 out and I'm wearing my sunglasses, I feel like I'm completely suffocated. First of all, my sunglasses are getting all fogged up (laughs) and I can't breathe. And I start to feel panicky. Like I'm going to have a panic attack because I can't catch my breath because the air is so hot that it can be really overwhelming. And I'm an adult, so I can imagine how hard this can be for some of our kids. And they're going to have different issues. Like I said, in the intro, they're going to have issues possibly with just the way it feels on their face. They might have issues because they're embarrassed, or they might have issues because they are claustrophobic. So let's get into it. What are some things that you can do? I'm going to just not kind of go in any particular order. I do want to say the obvious stuff first, and then I'm going to get into some creative things that I found on the internet that I thought could be helpful. Some are not so creative, but some are actually creative. You do want to sit with your child and explain the mask. I think some of this is like obvious, but I don't want to skim over that for those of you that really are new to the whole, like getting my child to wear a mask territory, you know, explaining to them why people are wearing a mask. And for those who have kids with OCD and haven't really dived into it yet, which I'm sure many of you have already dived into it, but we don't want them to think that the air is contaminated. That can be really scary for someone with OCD. So we want to normalize it and say, we're all doing our part. You know, if we can all wear masks, then we're not spreading our germs around and it will minimize, hopefully, you know, the spread of the coronavirus. So It's important for them to not think the air is toxic. And you might think, well, who would think that? But I've talked to a lot of kids, even older kids, even very intelligent kids. And they do think that they're, they're worried about going out because it looks like a nuclear bomb went off and everyone's wearing these masks. It can be very scary for even a child who intellectually gets it. So review that. The other thing is talking about, you know, the legal aspect of it, depending on where you live. Sometimes it's important to highlight, you know, this isn't a choice for us right now. This is something legally like our state is mandating it. It's required that everybody legally has to wear a mask. And so it's not up to me. I'm not doing this to you. It's something that we can get in trouble for if we're not wearing a mask that helps take the burden off of you to say that there's a higher level of authority. That's telling us we have to wear a mask. I know for my kids that did help to say, it's not my choice. Like if you want to wear a mask, it's not, it's not for me to decide We can't go into your dentist if you're not wearing one. We can't go into Walmart if you're not wearing one. So getting them to understand that this is bigger than you can be helpful. It is also helpful to, you know, tone down a little bit of the negativity. And I've been really trying to work on that (laughs) about all these kind of things. I've been trying to tone down my negativity about the Zoom calls and about online schooling, especially the first week when it was going horrific, you know, and I couldn't figure out how to upload things. And the school district website is so slow that I was making comments that weren't really helpful. Like I'm watching my life go by as this thing is buffering or like, you know, that's five minutes. I I can never get back. Those comments didn't really help my kids feel less frustrated. And the same thing goes with masks. I try not to be negative or say anything around them. 
about masks or how it's hard for me because that's only going to make things worse for them. Okay. So explaining and normalizing it and also making sure that, you know, they're not fearing contamination at the level that they don't need to be. That all is pretty obvious. Some other obvious stuff I would say, not so obvious maybe to some people, but if you have a younger child, you know, get some masks and have them play with them, have them play with their dolls. If you're very creative, you can make little tiny ones for Barbies and other things, or you can get them to do crafts. Kids process through play. So I thought it was really interesting how my daughter, who's in third grade, one of their first assignments in school, and it was kind of just icebreaker assignments. And at first I thought it was really sad and it kind of made me sad. But then I realized, you know, this is good to help them process just this whole new weird world that we're living in. And so using art and having them draw out characters with masks on them or, you know, having them play with it in their dolls can be really helpful. And what they had, one of their first assignments was, and it was, I think it was for art class, was to make a picture of them and then to fold the paper up and on the folded part of the paper, draw a mask. And so basically, you know, you can fold it down and you can see their smile or you could fold it back up and see their masks. And yeah, initially without thinking much about it, I thought, oh my gosh, that's the saddest art project ever. (laughs) It made me sad. But then I thought about it and I was like, this is actually really helpful because it's desensitizing them to what they and other students are going to look like when they go back to school and getting used to the mask. And some teachers, when they would do videos, would wear a mask and then they would take it off. And I thought that's really helpful to normalize. We have to normalize it in this weird world that we're living in and to desensitize the kids. So you can prompt that by having them, you know, draw a picture of what it would be like at school wearing masks or draw a picture of you going to the store wearing a mask, get them to incorporate it into their art. Kids process through play. And so if you can nudge that kind of play into their fantasy, that can be really helpful too. Younger kids don't sit and talk about their issues. Typically they'll play it out. Sometimes I'll sit there and I'll listen to my eight-year-old play with her Barbies because it will tell me a lot about what's going on in her world based on her themes, based on the storylines. Now you don't want to take it as reality because some parents do that and they freak out and they're like, she was just trying to kill her Barbie with her other Barbie. I have like a sociopathic five-year-old, you know? No, kids will play in a very symbolic sort of way. So don't take their play literally, but there are broad stroke themes that you can pick up and play. We want to incorporate some of the stuff that's going on in this pandemic in their play. And sometimes parents can introduce props and things in the play that will help. So making a small little tiny mask or putting things in their play that can help that that can be a good way for them to process. That's for the younger kids. Okay, now I want to get into just the physical stuff. This is the main meat and potatoes of what we really need help with. So if you have a child who is feeling claustrophobic, let's just talk about that for a second. It's really helpful for kids who are either claustrophobic or have some sensory issues to do exposures around the mask before they have to wear them for real. And that can be hard to motivate kids to do that. They may not want to do that. And so that'll be a challenge. I am very big on gamifying things. So don't be afraid to gamify wearing a mask and you can do exposures at home on any level. And for those of you that haven't heard me talk about exposures, that is an anxiety and OCD approach that we use therapeutically where you systematically face your challenges and do harder and harder things that trigger your anxiety and OCD so that you can learn how to sit with that discomfort. And we want to do that with masks, whether your child has anxiety or OCD or not, getting them to sit with that discomfort 
will help acclimate them to that so that when they are in a situation where they have no choice and they have to wear one, they will be better adapted. So exposures can look different depending on where your child is at with a mask. If they absolutely refuse to wear a mask, you can do exposures where they're covering their face and their nose. That sensation for me as a claustrophobic individual is still overwhelming. So if I had to like hold my nose, not tightly, if I had to put my hand over my face, my mouth and my nose and hold it there for 10 minutes, that would actually be very uncomfortable for me. So that would be a good exposure where someone with claustrophobia or someone who doesn't like the sensation of having their face covered can start. And then other things that I think kind of mimic that, at least for those that are a bit claustrophobic is sitting under a blanket. Now, some kids with sensory issues love that. They love to cocoon themselves away from everyone. But if you have an issue with being overheated or not being able to breathe, going under a blanket for a period of time could be another really good exposure. And you explain it to your child. We're going to practice doing some things that are going to mimic the sensation of what it would be like if you were wearing a mask. And so covering your, your hand over your face, we don't want to have them do these things without understanding why we're doing them. We always want to explain to our kids that you're going to have to wear a mask. And I know that's hard. It's not up to me, but there are things that we can do to get your body used to it so that your body doesn't freak out. And so here are some baby steps. We can cover our hands. Let's do it for 10 minutes and you can earn blah, blah, blah. Let's do it for 15 minutes. So you want to do stuff like that. And then you want to start practicing. Maybe if they're going to go back to school down the road, you probably want to practice activities around wearing a mask. And so um, it's not just wearing the mask, but what does it feel like when I'm jumping up and down? What does it feel like when I get overheated? So those are more advanced exposures you can do at home, but we want to go back to how do we get them to eventually wear the mask? So there are a lot of options and we want to first figure out what is the biggest challenge for our child around wearing a mask. Let's not assume. So you want to ask your child, what's the hardest part about wearing a mask? Is it that it feels weird around their ears? Is it that it feels weird around their nose? Is it that they can't breathe? Is it that they feel embarrassed? So if they have social anxiety and they're embarrassed, then we want to normalize it. Show them a lot of pictures on the internet of people and kids wearing masks that can really help. And then I want to move into like the tactile issue, because I think that's probably the biggest issue for most of our kids. So I found some actually really interesting things. Some are from the AT Parenting Community members. The cool thing about having a community is that people pitch in and they tell you things and you learn when you're in a group, there's like synergy and you learn from people. And that's what I love about the AT Parenting Community is that I benefit just as much as the other members, even though it's my community, because there are parents who are going through the same things that I'm going through and they're getting exposed to ideas that I'm not. And I love that. So there were a couple of ideas coming out of that community. One member had brought up inner support frames, and these are things I had never heard of. So an inner support frame is like almost like a cup that goes into the mask and it separates, it gives a little bit more space. So see, for me, that would be really, really great because I don't like things touching my face. The closer it is to my face, the more I feel like I can't breathe. So I don't like that. So having an inner support frame, you know, that is cupping and pushing out the mask can be very helpful. Um, the other thing that we did at my house is I bought a zillion masks. I bought so many masks. And ironically, the two that have worked, and it's the exact same mask for both my eight-year-old and my 10-year-old, my 16-year-old's not as bad, but were like these $5 masks that I bought at the grocery store. 
and they are super thin, so I don't know how helpful they are, but the fabric is so soft and there's not like a string thing around the ears. It's actually part of the fabric. And so it's softer. So that was after buying probably about 15 different masks and that's expensive. So nobody really wants to do that. There are a lot more options out there now. So that is helpful, but still, so inner support frame, just Google that go on Amazon and type in inner support frame. I will leave links to all of these in my show notes. I'll leave Amazon links in case you don't feel like going on a wild goose chase. There are also face mask extenders, also called ear savers. I had never heard of that before, but I saw that on the internet as I was researching for this episode. And I thought, Ooh, that's cool. So it goes onto the ear loops and instead of it going around their ears, it actually acts as a headband. And so it goes around their head. So for some kids who are sensitive to their ears, that actually can really help. I did read on the internet, this is all my internet research, that this was also really creative. I think this was from the Children's Hospital had this suggestion of if your child wears glasses, that you can put buttons on the side of the glasses. And, you know, I'm assuming hot glue them or something. And then the elastic can loop on the glasses and not on their ear. Brilliant, right? I love that. I thought that was a really good idea. Another idea from the community was someone suggested putting some scented oil in the mask. I don't know how safe that is as far as having scented oil on the mask and then really breathing in those fumes. But then I read somewhere else, which I thought was a great kind of rendition of what she was talking about, was have your child wear a scented lip balm. And with the scented lip balm, you know, their mask will smell good and it's a nice distraction. So if you have scented oils that you don't think are dangerous to like just put on your child's upper lip or something, do that. That's up to you. Talk to your pediatrician. I'm not here to give advice, but I thought the idea of smelling something in general was a really fantastic idea. Another thing I read was having older kids eat mints. And so I thought that's a really good idea because I know when I eat a mint or I suck on a mint, the air feels cooler. And that could actually be a sensation that can minimize my stress around feeling suffocated is having that coolness in my mouth. So that's another very creative option. The last thing that I saw that I thought was really interesting, and I I was reading it in a couple of different places. So I might just be the last one understanding this rodeo. (laughs) I don't even know what that means, but whatever, was that you can have your child wear a hat or a headband, and then you can put buttons on the headband or the hat and then loop it on that. So again, I thought that was pretty creative. If your child already wears a headband, um, and you can get a cloth headband, if they're comfortable with that, or if they like wearing a hat, then that might be a really good option. And if you have a child who's going back to school, that could maybe be something if they have a 504 plan, or if they have accommodations where you say, he's going to wear a hat. If he has to wear a mask, then he's going to have to wear a hat so that he can use the buttons on the hat to hold up his mask because he's not going to be able to tolerate it around his ears for that long. So really cool ideas. I hope that you found some of those helpful. Some of those I had not heard of before. And I thought I was looking for more concrete ideas than just model for your child, support your child, you know, have them play it out. Like those are all the things I read, but then I found some really good gems and some of them from were from the AT parenting community. So thank you to those members who have provided that additional support. So I hope that you're finding this podcast helpful as always. If you have time to hit a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast, I greatly appreciate it. If you have a few extra seconds and you can leave a review, that's even more appreciated because it goes a long way to help other parents 
I do hope that you will sponsor the mini coaching episodes and be part of the fun over there. I'm super excited about that. I'm going to be uploading a lot of extra bonus material on the Patreon sponsorship page, and I hope you'll join with all that fun. Stay tuned for our first mini coaching episode. I'm hoping that it will be, let me take a look at my schedule. I think it'll be on September 10th. That would be the first Thursday after it goes live. So I'll leave links in the show notes, as I said, and if you just want me to send it to you and you're on your phone, just text mini coach to 44222, check out the levels and join us over there. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.